0: What's up, everyone? This is episode 216 of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Podcast, and my Twitter is at PC. Well, I can't tell you how happy I am to have meaningful basketball back again. And maybe you root for a team that actually was playing hard down the stretch, but you guys know there were so many teams that were tanking or resting players or trotting out G-leaguers. The end of the season was just really hard to watch, at least for me it was. And, you know, maybe that was necessary to help put the last week of basketball into perspective because this first week of the playoffs has been phenomenal. It's been physical, right? There were bodies all over the place. The refs aren't stopping every single play, so that's nice. It's been competitive, probably more so than round one should be. We saw a seven seed and an eight seed take game one. We've got some compelling storylines here, whether it's the Kings winning for the first time in years or LeBron looking to extend his legacy. You really can't ask for more than that, uh, except for maybe the Pacers to be a part of it next season. But otherwise, I'm happy. And maybe those of us in the hobby can just sit back and enjoy it as well. Now that we're past the point of uh, day trading every player that scores a basket in an NBA game. Now I should clarify, I do enjoy watching cards move during the playoffs and watching some of that activity. But for a while there, people were trying to do that uh, from all the way from superstars all the way down to the end of the bench to the 14th or 15th man. And it seems like it's a little more under control now. And speaking of the hobby, I've got a pretty incredible hobby story for you today. At least I think it is. And it's something I've been oblivious to for maybe six or seven years now. It's the origin story of my 1972 Topps Pete Maravich Auto. Now, obviously, I've always known how I got it, right? It's not like it just showed up out of nowhere. I purchased it from another collector. But recently... I figured out where all this card had been in the years leading up to that purchase. and Believe it or not, I stumbled upon the collector that originally obtained that autograph, and he was kind enough to take some time out of his schedule to chat with me. So you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. That will be today's main segment. But first, I want to talk about a few pieces of mail. I realize it's been a long time since I've done a mail segment, so... I'm not going to you know, go over every piece I've received in that time frame, but there are a few pieces I want to talk about here real quick. Uh, the first piece was part of a larger collection of overseas mail, and some of you have probably already seen that package on my YouTube channel. I think I posted that video a couple weeks ago, so I've had it for a little while, but the main card in that package was a 2018-2019 Panini Immaculate Marks of Greatness Auto of Reggie Miller numbered to 25. Now, I have a handful of Reggie Autos, so that's not something that would normally be high on my want list, but I had to have this one because it pictures a game I attended in Orlando in February of 2005, and if this sounds familiar to you, I purchased a similar version of this earlier this year, except that was the Black Box 1 of 1, and I think that was the mail day AI Sarah told you about on my ChatGPT-inspired episode, but... That black box copy has some minor issues on the foil. It's trapped inside one of those Panini cases. And yeah, I know I could crack it out of there, right? But um, truth be told, I think I like this number to 25 pack pulled version instead. So um, don't be surprised if you see me trying to move the one one at the National this year. I, I know, you know, people will see me moving Pacers cards and, and they're shocked. Well, I, you know, I will move some of them. It's not that I don't like the card. It's just, I like this new copy better. And I figure the one of one has more value, too. So it might be the better of the two to move. The second card I want to talk about today is not a Pacers card, but it is a former Pacers player. It's a Brad Miller jumbo patch from 2022 Leaf in the game used, numbered three of four. And like the previous iterations of this set, you might remember... Uh, I've talked about one that I acquired. It was a Tim Duncan Finals Trophy patch. I think I got that a couple years ago. Uh, Like that one, this card is pretty hideous, right? The design is very basic. It's unlicensed. There's no picture of Brad on there. It's just a mock-up of a red jersey with his number 52 on it, which is supposed to be his Bulls jersey. Now, despite all of that, I bought this card for the patch piece because it has not quite half, maybe a third of a 9-11 Memorial Ribbon patch on it. And for those of you that aren't familiar with that patch, all teams wore them on the opposite shoulder of the Logo Man patch for the entirety of the 2001-2002 season, and then the playoffs as well. And one thing I really like about the more unique patches is that they were only used at certain times. So in turn, you know, when you're dealing with those patches in cards, it gives you an idea when this jersey might have been used. For example, I already told you the commemorative patch was for the 01-02 season, plus the playoffs. Well, Brad played 76 games that season, so you know you might think, well, that doesn't narrow it down much. However, he was traded to the Pacers midway through. That was the big trade that brought Ron Artest over. So Brad only played 48 of those 76 games for Chicago. And then, additionally, this is a Black Bulls jersey. And if you look on sportslogos.net, you'll see that was an alternate Bulls uniform at the time. Their primary uniforms were white for home and red for away. So at one point, maybe um, at one point, I'll go through the schedule on basketball reference and I'll cross reference that with Getty images to try and narrow down the dates and the numbers of games that they played in that time frame in black jerseys. And you might be listening to this thinking, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, Well, yeah, in reality it is, but I really enjoy projects like that and it's another way for me to enjoy the card, um, you know, once I get it in hand, to enjoy it more, I should say. So uh, you might be on the lookout for that. Maybe in the future that'll be a project. Maybe this summer. I don't know. Who knows, right? Okay, the last card I want to talk about is something that does not really fit in with the usual stuff I buy from week to week, but it's a card I've grown to really like. It's a Benedict Matherin card from Leaf's new Anime Nation set. And this was a print-to-order Chromium set they offered on their website. Basically, they got one of Panini's old artists, um, whose name is Shion Minabe. They got him to do, uh, I guess you'd call it manga-inspired renditions of players across all kinds of sports. Some of them I thought were kind of cheesy. Like they had a, a Jokic card where he's dressed up as the Joker, The Mathurin one looks really good to me though. almost looks like an NBA licensed card. Um, They've got them driving a car with the number double zero. Looks a lot like, you know, speed racer cartoon. And this is fitting with there being so much motorsports in Indiana and, you know, this whole idea of setting the pace and the pacers, right? So it fits. And then this card has a refractor like finish over the entire surface of the card. Now Originally, this showed up on Leaf's website for, it was a pre-order, right, a print-to-order. It was $21.99 plus shipping, which seemed pretty steep to me. I was, I was thinking, you know, maybe at $10 I'm in on this card. So I held off, and I figured I'd grab one on eBay later for a lower price, right? I figured I'd get it at that $10, 10 to $15 price point. That's what I typically do with some of these print-to-order brands like uh, Panini Instant, Well, uh, the first one that showed up on eBay revealed the print run, which was a lot less than I thought it would be. It was 44 cards total. Remember, these were print to order. So um, now that I had actually seen a picture of it, not just a mock-up, FOMO kicked in, and I decided I wanted to to just get one, right, and secure it for the collection. So um, I didn't get it for that $10 price point. I didn't get it for that $22 price point. I ended up paying almost double. What Leaf was charging on the pre-order, but um, you know I haven't bought a lot of and stuff this year so far, and this is one I really like, so I, I don't mind too much. And um, after I bought it, I, I had a little bit of a conversation with the guy that I bought it from, and, and it turns out he ordered five of them. So you know he tried to tell me, well, you know there there weren't actually forty-four people that purchased them. There could be people that ordered multiple. So who knows how many of these are actually going to surface? Anyway, I've got one now, so I don't have to worry about that, and if you want to see it, I I think it's one of those cards that shows better on video, so I've uploaded that video to my YouTube channel. Feel free to check that out if you'd like. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by Comc.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 29 million trading cards. From baseball superstars like Aaron Judge to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man, ComC has something to offer for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. Additionally, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link. And using this link costs you absolutely nothing. Just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time. But it helps support the show. To access this link, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom,
1: baby!
0: Okay, so joining me today is someone that I can tell just has a lot of fun. In fact, I think he recently got back from a Golden Girls convention. Uh, Now, I can't compete with the spirit of Betty White or B. Arthur, but I think we're going to have some fun here today as well. You might know him from his Instagram handle, which is at John G's Beat, where he chronicles his adventures in the world of sports, celebrities, and pop culture. You might have also seen his website, which is similarly named John John, how's it going, man?
1: It's going good. And you're right.
0: I have a lot of fun, but you, you seem to have a lot of fun yourself, my friend. You know what? It, we've got to find ways to make this entertaining. Otherwise if it's just going to work or, you know, doing whatever it, things get boring. So we can't have that. Uh, thankfully we have hobbies like collecting, which we're going to talk about a lot today here. Now, normally when I bring someone on either I've interacted with them in person or we've chatted over social media for an extended period of time. Um, I think you and I talked for maybe seven minutes here <laughs> before we just got started. So um, that's not really the case here. Everything I know about you either comes from your website or your social media or your YouTube channel. And um, I spent a little time in those places and i was just wondering if you know instead of me regurgitating some of the things that you do or some of places you've been to i'd love to have you tell us a little bit about your content and the purpose behind it
1: well i've spent in newspapers or magazines pretty much my whole life after college i worked for a community newspaper Um, They were very frugal, shall I say. So I wore a lot of hats. They occasionally allowed me to write, which was really my passion. But uh, my real job was I was in charge of circulation and marketing. But occasionally they let me write uh, because, again, they were cheap. But uh, So they ended up folding. And my longtime friend, Frank Gallagher, started a magazine called Global Traveler. He invited me on to run similar departments for him and also to head up the blog division. And when I was writing the blogs, I occasionally would dip into my pop culture passions. And he he politely came to me one day and said, you know, we like this stuff. You, you do great stuff, but it doesn't really fit Global Traveler, the, the pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. Because why don't you start your own website? We can link them up. We could do some merging things, some partnerships. So you know, I, I didn't really know a lot about websites at the time, but I figured, why not? See what happens. And so that was 2008. I started John's Beat, which really then I took all the previous conventions and I just started writing about them. And then the more I wrote, the more conventions I started to attend. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. I started doing in-person interviews. I started um, you know more active on social media. I got a YouTube channel and it kind of everything kind of flowed from there.
0: And I'll make sure to link that so people can find that here in the future as well, because really, I, and I, I say I only spent seven minutes with you. <laughs> you know, personally here on Zoom. But yes, I have spent some significant time kind of going through all that because it is pretty interesting. And one thing I can tell from the social media and from the YouTube and the website and all that stuff that's linked is that you and I are are alike in the sense that we both have kind of this collecting gene. And I think many of the listeners at home can relate to that as well. And it's hard to normalize collecting and, and some of the stuff that we do for people that don't already have some sort of an itch or some sort of an inkling to go in that direction. So we've both had that itch for a long time, it seems like. Can you take a few moments
1: here to run us through your collecting history? Yeah. You know, as a kid, you collect a card or an autograph from a baseball player here or there, maybe at a sports banquet or whatever. And I did that. I had a few. And then sometime like in early high school, I had the idea... Um, I thought it was a brilliant idea at the time, but I didn't realize other people were doing it too, of mailing out a card. And my first one I ever did was Rocky Blyer, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mailed a okay. card off to him, self-addressed envelope inside, stamped envelope. He mailed it back and like, that was it. Now I'm hooked. Now I got him. So I got to keep this thing going. This is the coolest thing of getting cards signed by the guys you see on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially back then in the pre-internet age, you didn't know a lot about these guys. You didn't see a lot of this stuff. I was hooked right from the start. And then it just went crazy from there.
0: Now, later on, we're going to talk about uh, basically the whole reason that I even found you, right? Which is somebody who was not playing for his current team or or didn't have a current team when you wrote to him. So I'm assuming that this escalated at some point to where, what, were you buying address list? I know there was some
1: circulating. I was really old school. Um, actually, I wrote for a, a magazine, I guess it was called, uh, called The Autograph Review, free. I just wrote for them free there. I was just happy to be published. I didn't care. Um, but I was so old school, the internet wasn't around. This is, I'm talking like 1980, well, when I was in college, so 1983, 84. I would finish my classes at, at DePaul. I'd go to the library and just take time and grab a phone book and go, okay, I know these guys You know, from the back of their baseball cards or whatever cards. They might have lived in wherever and I would pour through phone books and just, wow. yeah. And then just, you know, and then occasionally then I think there was a phone number you could call like a reverse directory or something back in the day. And I would call that and try to, to pinpoint players or retired players, you know, and, and try to get their addresses. And that's basically, it that was a lot of time spent and it's a lot easier now there, are, as you said, there's books and websites and all that with addresses on it. But I was, I was before that.
0: Well, and I know even even in this era where we have the internet, I've had friends who I think they'll use like online tax records to see, yeah. you know, oh, well, this athlete owns a house in this city, <laughs> but that's with the internet. I mean, you're doing this, you know, like you said, with phone books and that I can't even imagine all of that. So it, it takes a certain amount of, of dedication and, and really it is a talent. You know, some people might not think of it in that way, but I, I think it's a talent as well. So that's a testament uh, to you and, and what you were doing there. Do you have, a, before we obviously get to the one that I'm centering this whole thing around, do you have any other successes that stick out to you uh, that you might want to share?
1: Well, the, the one success, failure actually, is really one of my favorite stories. I was trying to reach uh, Brian Spencer, former NHL player, and I knew where he lived. I knew he lived in whatever, Canada. And I sent him a letter, as I always do, with a couple of cards inside. And then maybe, I don't know, a couple months later, I'm, I live still at my parents' house. I get a call. And uh, the guy, you know, is this John Obusky? I said, yes. He goes, uh, what is your contact with Brian Spencer? And I said, well, who is this? And he says, this is, you know, Joe of whatever from the FBI. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, come on. He goes, no, this is a serious matter. This is Joe you know, of FBI. Um, Brian's done a lot of stuff, and we need to know what your contact with him is. And I said, I'm just a dumb fan. I You know, I just wanted <laughs> right. his autograph. Well, how did you get his address? I said, the same thing I told you. I went through a full book. I poured through it. I got his address. I said, Well, wow, that's really dedication, but um all contact with him. A- and I oh, said, wow. Well, can I ask why? And he said, Well, it's a matter of federal, um, uh, you know, federal investigation or something like that. Well, it comes to, to I don't know if you're familiar with Brian Spencer, mm-hmm. but um, There's actually a book and a movie about him that came out later. He was involved in some serious stuff, and he ended up getting killed in, um, I believe it was Florida. He ended up getting killed. Oh, of wow. course, this came, the phone call was, while well, he was still alive, obviously. But he was involved in some uh, a lot of illegal activities. And if you look up Brian Spencer, you'll find quite an interesting story. So that's one of my, uh, probably the only failure that I, I I have a really big story on.
0: Yeah, well, and, you know, if you had gotten that success, it uh, and granted, I know you've written some wonderful blog posts about your successes, but, you know, chances are it would have gotten tucked away even if you did write a post about it, and that would have been that. But like you said, this is a failure success because now you've got that story to go with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never had, I've never talked to an FBI agent before or since.
0: (laughs) At least that you know of, right? Right,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, you did have some notable successes though that were not success failures. And I, did. Um, I stumbled across your blog uh, recently and it was purely coincidental. And um, what I ended up finding there was shocking to say the least. So a couple weekends ago, I was working on a project that involved hunting uh, for images of Pete Maravich memorabilia cards. So I wasn't even looking for autograph stuff. And in the process, I saw a picture of, I'm going to say my Signed 1972 Maravich, right? Because that's how I saw it.
1: Yours now, sure. Right.
0: Mine now. And, um, you know, I knew it wasn't another copy because the autograph was very distinct. It's, you know, not many of them are signed Pistol Pete Maravich. And the end of the autograph kind of wrapped around the top of the card a little bit. So I'm like, all right, you know, that is mine for sure. And I even pulled up a picture like that is my card, (laughs) you know. So I'm very proud of it, right? I posted it in multiple places. So my first thought was, and I'm I'm ashamed of this now. My first thought was, oh, another blogger stole my pictures again. <laughs> <laughs> but curiosity got the best of me because uh, this was just on Google image search. And then I clicked on it to find out like, oh no, this was posted in 2009. Whereas I bought the card from a friend of mine in I think 2016 or 2017. I, I know for a fact it was pre-marriage. And uh, so this was posted online years before I even owned it. Uh, I reached out to you to confirm that this used to be your card, and it did. um, And it gets even better than that. So your blog is kind of the origin story for this (laughs) card and the signature. So I'd love it if you would pick things up from there. I know you wrote this up a long time ago, but if you don't mind, can you take us through uh, your Pete Maravich autograph and the story behind that?
1: Well, I was a big fan of Pete Maravich. I think Pete Maravich was way before his time. I think he's one of the greatest ball players of all time. His If you've seen, if you read the books if you've seen them, I think there was a movie on him too. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing player. But anyway, I was a big fan of his. I sent him, I think it was four cards. And I, I, I always say, you know, feel free to keep any that you want for yourself. And that was in late 1987, I believe it was. And, you know, I mean, I said I used to send out probably five or six, 10, whatever a week, and then it would take whatever amount of time. So two, three months later, uh, beginning of 1988, I guess the cards returned to the mail. All, I think it was four of them, all four signed with a note on Jackie Maravich's wife on her stationery from Pete mm-hmm. saying, you know, thank you for your interest or whatever. Thank you for being a fan. And then. That was I because I, I, I got home from school. So that was like four o'clock in the afternoon. We sit down for dinner with my 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 parents, and on the news comes Pete Maravich died. The so same day, his, right? That day. The yeah, same
0: exact day.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was playing in some pickup game in the gym or whatever, and he passed out, he died. The day that I got his cars back, literally minutes probably after I opened up the mail, I found out that Pete died. And like I first I went from being ecstatic to have Pete Merovich's autographs. To like just freaking out that you know, first of all, he died. Second of all, he you know he died moments after I got the cards in the mail. So kind of blew my mind.
0: Yeah, it's all just so surreal. Now you mentioned in there that you got the the letter as well. Do you? I'm assuming you keep that stuff too, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the the thing was, the the gentleman uh, who purchased the the one card for me, and I very, very rarely sell anything. Mm -hmm. when I and and that obviously as you saw I sold it to him probably 20 some years after um after I got the card um he had reached he saw the blog he reached out to me and was a a true marriage fan the only reason I I sold it to him was um because he was such a fan and I figured I've got four you know I'd like to kind of share it with someone who would appreciate it like I do Mm -hmm. so I did sell the card Yeah, I just again I thought it was going to and it did go to a big fan. I know he was a big fan because of right. the way he responded, the way he acted. But um, he asked for proof. I, I he, he wanted to get authenticated. Mm-hmm. And it actually failed the first time. Hmm. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you because, you know, I told him the whole story. I said, I've got the letter. So I actually sent him the letter upon him promising that he would send it back. And yeah. so he sent that in, resubmitted it, and it did pass approval. And it was, as you said, he very rarely signs that particular way.
0: Yeah, that's what drew me a lot to that uh, particular card. I mean, also, I was searching for a signed 72 tops, which you can't get too picky, but there are some out there, like I've seen some on eBay um, that are in black Sharpie that are just kind of scribbled pistol Right. right. So it's, right. it's not, you know, it's not a nice autograph and even the other cards you got signed look great as well. So yeah, I was going to ask you, I knew you had like four Pete autographs at some point, it probably sinks in like, this is worth a lot of money. You know, I've got four of these. I, I know it's, it's something that you wrestle with, but like you said, you, you know, it's going to a good spot and, and it did then. And um, that was kind of when I interacted with the person that I bought it from, that was kind of his condition to me. He's like, look, I know, you're doing this 1972 set. You know, I hate to to give up this card. Sure. He had a couple Pete Maravich autographs himself. Um, so it's just interesting how all that comes about. The story behind this card though, and and you know, I I didn't know all of that. So I, I'm I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of speechless here because <laughs> it adds a whole nother layer to this thing. So anyway, now this story and the card are reunited six or seven years later. And, and that wouldn't have happened without your blog. So I'm a huge advocate of of sharing hobby stories, and I know you do it as a passion, Uh, but you chronicled this card in 2009, and and now I have another reason to appreciate it for my collection. So obviously I'm on cloud nine, but um, (laughs) I do want to give you a chance to share a little bit more about your collection as well before we go today, because you've been so generous with your time. And I don't want to restrict you to just sports because I know you collect other things. If you don't mind, go ahead and run us through your favorite three pieces in your collection and tell us a little bit about each one. You can start at number three
1: and then work your way up to number one. Well, it's hard to put them in order, but mm-hmm. I, I actually I have two here that I will show you. And the third one I would have had to take off my wall, so I can't do that. <laughs> but this is a um, this is a signed Monica Abbott jersey. Monica Abbott is one of the greatest softball players ever. Huh. She's a pitcher. Uh, she was a casual friend of mine. She played in Chicago with the Chicago Bandits. She's been on uh, three Olympic teams, I believe and um after she left chicago we stayed in touch i've interviewed her several times and she was very gracious enough to uh give me a jersey and sign it that's got a lot of personal meaning to me be- because i know monica because and obviously how great she was uh, i don't have a whole lot of jerseys signed i don't have a whole lot of jerseys. period mm-hmm. um which brings me to my next one which is something that you'll appreciate i think you'll appreciate this is a uh, I don't know if you're familiar with how big you watch the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a uh signed at Heideman jersey. Okay. I covered Natisha when she was in Marquette. She played okay. up at Mar- Marquette University. I uh, covered her career there a little bit. Obviously, uh, I covered more DePaul and, and Loyola basketball and Northwestern in Northwestern Chicago. But I did venture up to there on occasion and... Uh, she was always one of my favorite players and she was kind enough to uh, sign a Jersey to give me and sign a Jersey of, of hers. Probably my number one piece, which isn't really even that valuable. It's a, um, a signed ad. I, when I was at the newspaper, we did a literacy campaign and we got, we started with, a. I ran it. We started with a lot of local celebrities that would give a quote about literacy to just to encourage kids. Mm-hmm. And as the series grew, I started going beyond local and I went to, I, Pitched um, an ad to one of my favorite all-time wrestlers, Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh wow! Okay. When I when I pitched it, I sent him an email, and to my shock, an email comes back from his agent saying, "When do you want to talk to him?" And I said, "Well, I didn't really want to talk to him. Like, I didn't. I I had never done interviews before. So I like." And then the editor of the paper goes, "Are you insane? Interview the guy. You love the guy. Talk to the guy." So I, I, you know, I did interview him. He ended up appearing in our ad series three times. And uh, he, when I met him in person, finally, a few years later, super nice guy, incredibly mm-hmm. nice guy. Um, he signed all three ads for me and I've got those hanging on my wall. And, and from, from a personal standpoint, that's probably my most prized possession just because of the history I had with him. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years back, but um, he truly was one of the most genuine nice guys you'd ever meet and really just an insane guy in all the best ways.
0: Yeah, I think the the Roddy Piper was uh, – I don't know if it's it's randomized or not, but when I went on your website, it was like the top spot on the side with the YouTube video. so I, you know, I definitely he, he watched did He did a promo
1: for me. He did a promo for me. That was – yeah, my nephew got him to do that as a surprise for me. So that was one of the cool things.
0: Well, when you meet a wrestler or have access, you definitely got to get a promo out of them. Oh, yeah, right. They're,
1: they're made for that.
0: Um, you know, there was something you said there. Uh, you said it's my favorite piece, but probably not very valuable or not my most valuable, maybe, maybe is what you said. I think that kind of sums up our hobby. Uh, pretty well, because it, there's reasons why we're attached to certain things and somebody else is not necessarily going to understand that. So um, only we can have those stories and they don't always carry over with the items. Now, in the case of the Merovich today, many years later now, it, it finally has, or at least, you know, I, I feel like it has. So um, I want you to know that I, I do appreciate you, your work and that blog and, and moving that card. John, it has been a blast talking with you today and getting to know you a little bit in the process. Before I let you go, I want to give you one more chance to plug your social media handles, um, your website, anything you might be working on. The next few moments here are yours.
1: And I have to compliment you too. You pronounce John G. perfectly. Okay. And we had ne- you had never asked me about that before, but it's funny because it, that's always a source of when, when I do get promos, Most of the people got to go through it four or five times before they get it right. But anyway, I
0: I think um, that's a testament to how many of how much of your YouTube I sat there and watched one night, I think.
1: Absolutely. So as you said, you can find every if you just look up John G's beat, J-O-H-N-G-Y, Paz beat. You'll find my website, you'll find my YouTube channel. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. If you care to look at some of my other professional stuff, I write for a magazine online called Global Traveler. I also write for the patch news sites, which are all over the country. I also write for TheEverydayFan.com, they're another sports site. And that's basically it. Well, thank you so much, John. I really enjoyed it today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You do a great job. And I'm really, I'm I'm happy that uh, Maravich has found a home with somebody who appreciates it like, like I do.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Maybe there was something that we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at wax museum podcast, or Twitter under the handle at wax museum, PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos, and until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.